Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Disciple Making and Church Planting Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work abroad, go to traincpe.org, and to learn about our church here in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and I'm so glad you've joined us. The glory that is to be found in Christian fellowship is that it is not like the fellowship found in any other social gathering. This fellowship in the local church is to be an expression of what happens when the Lord Jesus comes into our midst and comes between each and every one of us. Jesus is to be all over our fellowship and between each one of us at the same time. As you read through the New Testament, you'll see the phrase, servants that they serve in the Lord, or they serve in Christ, or they serve through Christ, or they are members of Christ together. And you'll see these phrases, in and by and of. There's too many of them actually to find and take note of. I tried. There's too many. The writers of the New Testament are not simply trying to designate between those individuals who are part of the club and not a part of the club, those members and non-members. They're not writing this in order to differentiate between labor or work that's taken place that's just secular work and labor and work that takes place that we would consider church work or spiritual work. No, what they're doing is, when they write this way, is they're touching upon a reality that gives shape to the fellowship of the church as a whole. To the extent that it is a Christian fellowship, it is a fellowship that incurs in, through, by, and of Christ. He is the environmental point, the operational environment of all true Christian fellowship. Take your Bibles now and go to 1 John chapter 1. And let's read verses 1 through 3 together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, there's some intimacy, which we have seen with our eyes, it grows a little further, which we have gazed upon, that's a near look, and our hands have handled, written by the the apostle that leaned in upon the Lord Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. And our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifest, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, you notice the things, the themes again, the intimacy, the touch, the communion. We declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, but don't mistake it, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is basically saying all of our contact with one another, all of our contact with one another is made within our contact and fellowship with the Lord Jesus. It is all because we have fellowship with Him. It is all because we hear Him and we see Him and we gaze upon Him and we handle Him and we've seen Him and we know Him and we have fellowship together because our fellowship is with Him. Our fellowship is with Him. Now that I have three children that are married, I periodically write letters to them. I don't know what it is. I get a burden in my heart. I get a concern for them. Maybe it's for one of them or maybe it's for two of them. But I write all of them. That way that none of them think I'm singling them out. On this last journey, I wrote a meditation to the kids. I'd like to share it with you. It really goes along these lines. I'll interrupt my meditation here and make another note to you, but let me read you the first paragraph and I'll read some more to you after that. Some time ago in a message that I delivered, I made a point that Jesus is not only the mediator between man and God, 
but for the Christian, he is also meant to be the mediator between man and man. We come to God through the Lord Jesus, and we are to come to one another in the exact same way. Just today, I read a passage in Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer where he was making exactly that point, only he far better and fuller than I ever have. In particular, he took the idea of love and demonstrated that we can never offer the fullest expressions of love to another person unless we come to them through the spirit of love that is in Christ. The love that we produce is one that wants to attract and bind the person to oneself. It is a love of desire, the desire being that they may in some way be captured by our love and come into direct contact with us, them to us, us to them, and nothing in between. But in the love that Christ would work through us, we want always Christ to come in between. We want always that Christ might be made known, His service and grace imparted between us and the other. It is a love in which ever before we represent ourselves to others, we represent the heart of Christ to others first. Let me just say this. You'll remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Paul celebrates the wonderful truth that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, through His forgiveness of our sins and the righteousness that He covers us with, that we have been reconciled to God. That is, that we've been brought into a relationship with God. I like my childlike definition of reconciliation. To be reconciled to somebody is to kiss and make up. And we have been brought into a situation where we've been able to kiss and make up with this God, and He's brought us into His very life. And then... Paul goes on to state in the second to the last verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, as a result of this great ministry of reconciliation, this work of reconciliation in our life, that we have become ambassadors of reconciliation. From here on out, our role and our function in the world is to declare to other individuals this same opportunity. God, the Father, wants to be reconciled to you. He wants to forgive you of all your sins, and He wants to have direct contact with your life. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to draw you up into His arms. He wants to kiss and make up. He wants to experience you, and He wants you to experience Him. And we take that to understand that we are, again, ambassadors of reconciliation, of a relationship with God the Father and His Son, and that we bring that message to the world. What I'd like us to understand here is that we are ambassadors of this same life to one another. We are to live among one another always first as representatives of Christ, always ambassadors of this reconciled life of relationship, always offering to one another Christ first. When you come into the presence of an individual as an ambassador, you don't stride in representing yourself. You stride into the presence of these individuals representing the one whom you're an ambassador for. When we go out into the world, we're not defined as individuals who are trying to make a good impression of ourselves. We come before the world with the mindset that we want to impress them with the life of Christ, His salvation, His forgiveness, and the potential of a relationship with Him. That's how it's supposed to be with one another as well. When we come into one another's presence... We come offering the person of Jesus Christ. We're to come offering His peace, His blessing, His promise, His forgiveness, His grace, His mercy, His joy, His holiness, Himself before ourselves. He always comes first. He's always meant to be the mediating influence. Christ, you see, is the mediator between us, between man and man, not just between God and man. Let me pick up my note to my kids here.
When we seek to attract others to ourselves and are disappointed, we can adopt attitudes of contempt. When we attempt to attract someone to ourselves in acts of human love and fail to attract them or they disappoint our expectations, we can turn from them with vehemence and or turn from them with apathy. But the love flowing from the Spirit of Christ is different. In this love, we don't come to others on our own and for our own satisfaction. We release others from any attempt to coerce or manipulate or bind a person to ourselves. We want only that they may know Christ and know Him as Christ expresses His love to them through us. Now, human love can look like many things. It can appear sacrificial, it can serve, it can be passionate, but in the end, it seeks the reward of capturing the person for oneself. A love for one another that is mediated by Christ living in us, Him always coming first in the contact, doesn't seek to draw others to ourselves, but always and only to the Lord Jesus. Our love, after all, will never prove to be anyone's salvation. Christ's love always will. Bonhoeffer was talking about the fellowship of Christian brothers, but I think this idea of love shows itself true even for Christian couples. We couples are not called to love one another purely for our own sake. We're called to love one another so that Christ may be presented to the other as Christ loves through us. And so by that love, which is of Christ, the other person may see Him in our love. For I speak of a mystery. I speak of Christ and His church. From this, I wrote to them, I might say to you, Nikki and I have learned that where the real times of failure have been in our own love life, it's been those times when we've loved not for Christ's sake and loved not that Christ might come always in between us. Those moments of impatience and anger, those moments of hurt feelings and self-pity, those moments of harshness or neglect of the other, they revealed where our love had gone wrong and also where our sin was. We had failed to let Christ come in between us. We had elevated ourselves to the position where we sought our fulfillment and satisfaction in the other and not Christ's life and grace upon the other. If we had sought Christ's life and grace upon the other as the true mediator of love, we would have forgiven as God and Christ also forgave us. We would have, like Christ, though reviled, reviled not, and though offended, offended not, but in return, instead, blessed. We would have bore all things and believed all things and hoped all things. We would have given ourselves to one another to present each other in purity to Christ. And so the confession that we had to learn to make was that we had failed in putting Christ out in front of our love and letting Him always be the contact point between our lives and our love. A confession, by the way, that we've not always had occasion to make to one another, but one we have learned always to make to Christ. For if we offend His mediating spirit of love, then our sin is first and almost always against Him before it is against anyone else. You get the idea? Now that's the fellowship that we've been called to. That's the fellowship the body's been called to. The glory and mystery of the church's fellowship is not that we're a part of some club or fraternity. Although people say at times, I've read it in books, that we ought to be more like some bar in our fellowship with one another, they underestimate what the true fellowship of the church is. It's not the dynamic, it's not a mere social dynamic that can be repeated in any other experiment in the world. It's a social dynamic that can only be known by people who are in Christ and of Christ and through Christ and by Christ so that it's all about Christ. He becomes, by the Holy Spirit, the oil between us all. It ought to be 
the thing that we delight in when we're together, and it ought to be also the thing that we aspire after when we come together. Lord Jesus, lead before me. Come between me and all these things. It ought to be the point of correction every time I take up an offense. Every time I walk away from a conversation with a brother in Christ, and I think to myself, what do they mean by that? You know, have you thought that? I wonder what they're thinking. And we start toiling through these things, and oh, Lord Jesus, what does it matter? That you might come between in all these things. That your oil, the oil of your presence, your spirit might be flowing. This is the wonder and the mystery of the fellowship of the church in heaven and on earth below, and it's ours to enjoy and to experience. It's why we seek out and should seek out community. It's why we should be together. It's why we should be with one another. There is something in your life and your experience of the Lord Jesus Christ that I have not yet experienced, and I cannot know, but together we complete His life and the expression of His life in the world and we come together for that purpose. And there's a reason why people at times have become dismayed at something of the way which churches have taken shape in our present day and age. They've taken shape like experiences where you come into a great vast audience and you see the back of somebody's head and you dismiss and shuffle out in that same audience and there's no community. Well, we ought to aspire. We have to seek out, find those places in our homes and over the phones and in this place where we seek to offer Christ up to one another. That's the secret of Christian fellowship. It's the glory of Christian fellowship. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.